and we're glad you're here. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. If you found it, shout amen. amen. If you've been in church any length of time, you've heard this story. Amen. So we're just gonna we're just gonna give it again tonight, if that's all right. Praise the Lord. First Samuel chapter 17, verse number 45. The word of the Lord says, Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day, somebody say this day, will the Lord deliver thee in my hand and I will smite thee. And I will take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day. Somebody say this day. Unto the fowls of the air, and unto the wild beasts of all the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Well, that's a good place to shout. I'm going to say that one more time for somebody. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to blast the shofar tonight. As they blast it, I want you to give God a shout of praise in this house. somebody, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Hallelujah. The bigger the giant is in your life, the harder they're going to fall. When you make up your mind, enough is enough. It is no secret that in the time and season that we're living in, that truly God is moving and we are seeing God touch folks' lives. We're seeing the presence of the Lord move in a way like never before. Even in this local assembly, we have seen an increase of God's presence. But I will tell you, I can't speak on your behalf, but I can speak on mine. I will tell you that there are giants that I am still facing. That I'm believing for the Lord to cause them to fall. Intense warfare in the mind, intense warfare in the body, intense warfare all around. But I've come tonight to declare victory on a Thursday. I woke up this morning and the Lord dropped this brother Mike into my spirit. 
about the giant falling and I thought to myself today God I don't know who you're sending me to talk to tonight in Judah maybe I'm just talking to myself but I believe there might be another person in this house tonight that is ready for your giant to fall amen if you're ready why don't you just give God praise for it your giant may not be on the floor yet your giant still might be harassing you, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God has not given, I've already said it, not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. So I've come to tell the giant of fear, the giant of worry, the giant of anxiety, the giant of infirmity, and the giant that wants to attack us, that you may seem big right now, but I'm here to prophesy that the God of Israel is going to see you fall. Can somebody give the Lord one more shout of praise? I'm trying to be good and lay in this foundation, but I feel the Holy Ghost do that going up and down my spine. Because I believe somebody's walking out tonight with the head of their giant. I believe somebody's walking out tonight with victory. Hallelujah. I believe somebody that might be watching us online may get victory right there in their home. Maybe you walked in here tonight, amen, and you're facing a giant of infirmity. Well, I'm declaring you're walking out tonight healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Real glory. I'm trying to be good, but I'm not going to make any promises. Because I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. Before we get to chapter 16, we, or 17, we've got to understand what happened in chapter 15 and chapter 16. In chapter 15, we know that Saul was appointed to be king over Israel. We know that because of Saul's disobedience with Agag the king, that God repented for making Saul the king. Amen. And that Saul lied to the prophet Samuel. When the prophet Samuel confronted him about his disobedience, he began to lie and say, and this is Matthew Wesley's commentary, we did what the Lord had asked us to do. Amen. That is where we get the scripture, your obedience is far better than your sacrifice. So we find that Saul now was rejected to be king over Israel. In chapter 16, the Bible said that God told a man Samuel to quit mourning. He said, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from being the king over Israel? He said, here's what I want you to do, Samuel. I want you to get your horn Fill it with oil. I want you to go down to the house of Jesse because I have found yet another to be king over Israel. Amen. I found another that I want to anoint and set apart to take over for Saul. We know the story quite well that, amen, the Bible said, Samuel said, but if Saul hears that I go down to the house of Jesse, he will kill me. He will take my life. He said, tell them that you're going down to make sacrifice. So when Samuel came to the gate of that city and the elders stood there, they wondered why they're seeing the prophet. And they're saying, is it well? He said, it is well, for I'm going to the house of Jesse to make sacrifice unto the Lord. We understand that when Samuel walked in there, that all of the sons of Jesse was presented before the prophet. And the prophet examined.
to each of those sons to see if they would fit the characteristics of what God was looking for to be king over Israel. These young men who was, amen, very prestige, these young men who knew what it was to go to war, these young men who were very intelligent, who was very well, amen, groomed, who was very, amen, very stout as far as their physique. God looks at them and says, nope, that's not him. Nope, that's not him. Nope, that is not him. And he looks and he says, Samuel, you're looking on the outside. He says, but I look in the heart. Aren't you glad tonight? That God sees beyond. We get, amen, we view it on the outside, but we serve a God that sees it on the inside. He sees the heart of a man. And what they didn't realize was there was a young man by the name of David who had the heart of God, who worshipped God. David, amen, didn't have an important job when it came to the armies of Israel, but he was a shepherd boy. Amen. He was a teenage shepherd boy. We don't know what his exact age is when you study the scripture. Amen. But we know that he is a teenager, a young teenager at this time. The Bible describes him as being ruddy and freckled, meaning he had red hair, and he was freckled, and, then, and he was good to look upon. And the Bible says that he looked at him and said, Do you have yet another son? And he said, Well, I've got one more, but you may not want him because he doesn't know what it's like to go to battle. He doesn't know what it's like to go to war. Isn't it something when God calls people out? Amen. He'll pick the unlikeliest character to do the most mightiest of things. People never thought that he would pick a murderer to become a deliverer of God's people when they were in Egypt. They never probably thought that he would. I call him the, the island of mystics. Amen. Jesus' disciples, when you look at all of them, had a hang up about them. One of them had a temper problem and would cuss you out. The other one, amen, was a politician. The other one was a doubter. Amen. Some of them were just common fishermen. But Jesus saw something in them that they didn't see in themselves. When David looked at himself, he probably didn't see a king, but he saw a shepherd. You may look at yourself tonight and say, I don't see what the Lord sees in me and what God is calling you to do and what God is pushing you forward to do. You look at yourself and say, I don't see myself doing that. But can I tell you, don't look on the outside of it, but know that God, if he called you, he'll qualify you, he'll equip you. To do what you need to do. I don't know who that's for tonight. But I've come to tell somebody. It's time to step into your call. It's time to step into what the Lord wants you to do. And the Bible says. We're going somewhere. The Bible said that when David came into the room. He smelled like a shepherd. He smelled like sheep. He looked like a shepherd. He didn't look like a king. How you know, let me tell you this. You know how you can tell a true pastor? A true pastor smells like sheep. You say, what do you mean? That means a true pastor has been down to where the sheep are. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he smelled like a pastor. That's what a shepherd is, is a pastor. He smelled like a pastor. 
And the Bible says that God told Samuel, there he is. This teenage boy now has a responsibility to be the king over Israel. It wasn't his time to take the throne, but God was anointing him to do it. Amen? And the Bible says that Samuel anointed David in the presence of his brothers. When God decides to anoint you, oh, I, I just got to throw this out there. When God decides to anoint, He's going to do it in front of those who said you couldn't do it. When God decides to move, He's going to do it in front of those that said it'll never happen. Oh, hallelujah. And it became the poor that listened. And you've got to understand, they weren't conservative back then. They poured oil on them. Amen. They poured oil. So David had oil poured on him from head to toe. He didn't look like a king, but after that moment, he had the scent of one. Because the oil had a fragrance about it. Let me tell you, you may not feel like or look like you're victorious, but you smell like you are. You may not look like and feel like you're healed, but you smell like you are. You may not feel like you've got breakthrough. You may not even look like you've got breakthrough. But when the oil of God is applied to your life, you smell like breakthrough. You smell like healing. So David now is anointed to be king over Israel. Isn't it something? He was anointed in 16 because God knew he had to face a giant in 17. Can I tell you that God will always anoint you before you go into the battle? If God knows, listen, if He knows where He's taking you, He will prepare you, He will anoint you, He will make sure that you're equipped before your feet even hit the battle floor. Hallelujah. I've come to tell somebody tonight that a giant is staring down at you, that God knew you were going to face that giant before you you were going to face that giant and God has already put his anointing on you. God has already put his spirit on you and because God has already anointed you and because his spirit is with you, you can stand flat footed and prophesy to that giant and say this day you're going to fall. This day you've got to leave my family alone. This day you can't touch my finances. This day you can't mess with my house. This day you're not going to mess with my health any longer. I'm declaring this day you got to go. Jesse looks to David and says, I want you to go to where your brothers are. They're in a battle. The Bible said that the Philistines were against the children of Israel. The word Philistine in the Hebrew means rolling. These are the people who occupied the territory on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea southwest of Jerusalem. According to the Old Testament, the Philistines were in power in their land at least as early as the book of Exodus. The Philistines were well governed. Their army was well organized. They were brave and consistent, and, and consistent, and they were strong, and they had means and wealth. And one thing that they had was a man who was over nine foot tall by the name of Goliath. Goliath and his brothers were the remnant of giants left in the country to test Israel and the settlement of Canaan. Amen. Giant. Look at somebody and say, this giant's got to fall. 
So Goliath would harass the people of God. You've got to understand that the people of God were on one side. There was a balance between them. And then Goliath would stand on the other side. And according to scripture, the Bible said that Goliath would cry. He would address. He would encounter or call aloud and harass them for 40 days. And he would challenge them. Now I want you to get a picture of who we're talking about. This man was nine foot plus tall, according to scripture, and when you research it, his helmet was made of bronze, which was 10 pounds. His coat of mail weighed 194 and a half pounds. The graves that were on the top, graves that were on the top of his shins that were made of leather, wood, and brass. Amen. They were 20 pounds. The target of brass between his shoulders referred to the plate of brass that covered his chest. His spearhead was an estimate of 23 and a half pounds. The shield was so large enough, amen, that it would cover his whole body and it was carried by an armor bearer that went before him. This shield weighed at least 30 pounds. His sword alone weighed approximately 10 pounds. I'm no mathematician. But when you add that all together, it's an approximate of 318 pounds worth of armor that this nine-foot man had on. But how many knows it doesn't matter what they have. All that matters is what you have on your side. Because even though he looked threatening, and even though he would harass the people of God, when David came down to give lunch to his brothers, and he heard this giant harassing the people of God, he sat back and said, what is going on? Why are you allowing this uncircumcised dog to talk to us the way that he's talking to us? David was puzzled as to why they were allowing the giant to speak to them like that. Can I tell you that I've been there where I've taken as much as I could take. I'm sick of being sick. I'm tired of being tired. So you've got to understand that the giant will continue to harass you day and night. But you've got to get like David. You've got to tell yourself enough is enough. You see, the king offered a reward for killing this giant. According to scripture, he was going to give them great riches. Amen. He was going to give them his daughter. He was also going to make amen, his father free from taxes. And putting his children into a court. If anybody would, amen, call them this giant to fall and defeat him. But David said, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? And I've come to talk to somebody on a Thursday that said, I'm sick and tired of the giant telling me that it'll never change. I'm sick and tired of the giant telling me that my family's not going to make it. I'm sick and tired of the giant telling me that my body's never going to be healed. That things are just going to be this way. And I've just got to put up with it. Well, enough is enough. I'm looking for some Davids. Amen. That's got some guff about them tonight. That is ready to tell the giant. Enough is enough. Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for us to get in fear?
infuriated? Is there not a reason for us to listen? You've got to understand David thought to himself. Why in the world are they letting him talk to them like that? Do they not understand who we are? We are not just a common people, but we are the chosen generation of God. Listen, let me tell you to the tabernacle. We're not just common folk in this sanctuary tonight, but we are the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. We have been grafted in through Jesus Christ and through His blood. According to Scripture, we are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are particular people. We are the lender and not the borrower. We're the head and not the tail. We are victorious tonight. We are healed. We are delivered. We are free. We don't walk in the darkness. But now we are children of the light. Everything that heaven has to offer is at our disposal by the name of Jesus. So why in the world would we walk around acting defeated tonight when we've got who we need on our side? And if the Lord be for us, who can be against us? Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. I feel holy boldness in the spirit to tell the giant, you've got to fall tonight. I'm not putting up with it any longer. Look at somebody say, you ain't going to put up with that no more. Every parent can relate. If you ever look at your children, if you haven't, you're going. Look at your children and say, I've had it up to here. <laughs> I've had it up to here. One more thing and you're going to push me over the edge. <laughs> Isn't it funny that we're willing to tell folks, I've had it up to here, but we still allow the devil to... Come on, somebody. Come on. Amen or ouch. Yes, I'm on. saying ouch. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. We allow the, the giant to harass us. We get a few minutes of freedom. <laughs> We've come into the house of the Lord before, and we feel a few minutes of freedom, but it is something we go right out the door. But can I tell you tonight, God's looking for a David in this house. Long story short, David said, if, anybody else gonna, if nobody else is going to do something about it, I am. And he tells his brothers, I'm going to do something. You can't do it. He said, is there not a cause? So then he goes, in, then they tell Saul. And Saul meets with David in his tent. And Saul goes, wait a minute, look at you. What do you mean? You're going to go against the giant. You're not able. And it's something when you make up your mind that you're going to have victory. Some folks that you, amen, thought were on your side looks at you and says, you must have lost your mind. Uh-huh. But I know the God that I serve. Tonight. I love it, Sister Joanne, because the Bible said that when Saul looked at him and said, you can't do it, you what David looked at him and said, you wasn't there. When a bear came and tried to take the sheep out. You wasn't there when the lion came and tried to devour the sheep. That bear lion is not standing because I killed him with my bare hands. It's not this Philistine giant like the bear and the lion. 
What is he saying? If I'm able to take that bear lion out, then I can take him out. What you need to do is when that giant harasses you, you need to remind him of your past victories. When that giant says it's not going to be done, you need to remind him, oh, wait a minute. The God that I serve is faithful. He has never let me down. Let me remind you of a time when they said all hope was gone, but God intervened. Let me remind you of a time when they said I would never come out, but God brought me out. Let me remind you of a time when they said I would never get deliverance, but God has brought me freedom. And let me tell you, you're the same as the other times that I faced in the past. And if I've seen them fall, you are no different. I'm looking for somebody that says God has done it before. And if God's done it before, he's going to do it again. <laughs> so that Saul thought he would be smart and said, well, if you're going to do it, then you need to put my armor on. Let me tell you what. Aren't you glad that God's given you what you need? Amen. I love, I, I love folk. Amen. I pray folk love me, but I love folk. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I do. I honestly love people. But here's what I've realized. Somebody else can't do it for me. As much as I believe, and I'm not just saying it because... I share the same last name. But as much as I believe that we have one of the best pastors. One of the best when it comes to the word. When it comes to the, walking in the spirit. One of the best. As much as I love him with all of my heart. and would do anything I can to help him. He can't do it for me. As much as I think that we have one of the best top-notch worship teams. Not only in Columbus, but literally around the world. That's just, I might be biased, but that's just me. You say, well, how do you know? Travel a little bit with me and you'll find out. We have one of the best worship teams. But as much as they are anointed, they can't bring me out. i got to do it myself. We've got to wake up and realize that it's not the pastor's anointing that's going to do it. It's not the worship team's anointing, but it's the anointing that God has placed individually on our own lives. Amen? Because truth be known, the same anointing that is on pastor is the same anointing that's on you. Good preaching, Matt. Thank you. Hallelujah. The same anointing that's on pastor is on us as well. Amen? So David said, I, no, no, this don't fit. This, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. So what does David do? David goes down to the brook. He has a shepherd's staff. Let me remind you that a shepherd, what a shepherd would do is on his staff when God gave him a victory or something happened, amen, momentous in his life. He would put an etch. He would mark an etch on that staff. It would remind him of what had happened. I wonder, Brother Bill Crafts, if there were two etches on his staff, one that represented the lion and the other one that represented the bear, amen, and another one that represented the time that Samuel poured the oil 
on his head. And he had the shepherd's staff. He had his bag. And he had a sling and faith in God. But he went and picked up five smooth stones at the brook. And he put it in his pocket. And, and, and I, I, I wonder what Goliath thought. When Goliath came out to challenge them. And he said, give me the best warrior that you've got. Because if we defeat you, you're going to serve us. But if you defeat us, we're going to serve you. And here you've got this nine foot man that had an armor that weighed over 300 and some pounds. And he's standing there probably when he spoke. It shook the very foundation of where he is standing. And he looked over on the other side. And here comes this teenage red-headed boy. A man that doesn't have a sword in his hand. Doesn't have a sling in his hand. A, uh, a sword, excuse me, or a shield in his hand. He had a sling in his pocket. Amen. And here he is standing in front of this nine-foot man. I wonder what Goliath thought. But can I tell you? David may not have looked much. But I'm wondering if Goliath went... Wait a minute, what's that smell? Because Goliath was looking at a boy, but he was smelling a king. Do you hear what I'm... Hallelujah. He probably smelled the fragrance of that oil that was placed on David's life. Can I tell you with an assurity that when there's an anointed place on your life, when you stand in front of your giant, your giant's going to know it. When there's an anointing on your life and you stand in front of that thing that's coming against you, you don't have to announce that you're anointed. You don't have to tell it. You don't have to Facebook it. But that enemy's going to know that the anointing of God is on your life. Look at somebody say, you're anointed. You're anointed. You're anointed. Hallelujah. Brother Shane, I love it. Because the Philistine probably looked and thought, we got this one in the bag. He probably thought, we got this one in the bag. He didn't realize what David had in his bag. Come on. He probably thought, we got this one already conquered. Get ready, boys. Get ready. The, the, the Hebrews are going to serve us supper tonight. Get ready. They're going to be our servants. I've got this. I've got this. He's going down. David looks and then begins to prophesy. Woo, the spirit of a prophet came on him. And David said, amen, this day. I'm here to declare this day. You come to me with a spear and a sword. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. The God of Israel. I come to you in his name. And that this day you are going to be placed into my... I come to tell the spirit of affirmity. This day you're going to fall. I come to tell the spirit of fear. This day you're going to fall. I come to tell the spirit of worry. This day you're going to I feel the Holy Ghost. I come to tell that giant tonight. Mark it down. August the 3rd. Amen. At 8.15 p.m. on South High Street at Judah Tabernacle. You've met your last battle because you got to fall. Listen, sometimes 
Because you just got to prophesy to yourself. Right. Sure. I feel like telling somebody, you need to tell that giant, I'm going to lay my head down tonight and I'm going to get the best sleep I've ever gotten. Tonight I'm going to lay down and know that God's got me. My name is in the palm of his hand. It's going to be alright. Hallelujah. Is there anybody facing a giant tonight? Anybody except me? Amen. This day. This day. Oh, I feel that in my spirit to tell somebody, brother, there on this day. Today. Right now. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait till the next service. Tell you what. I faced the giant today. I'm being honest. Transparent. I'm being honest. I woke up this morning. I never deal with migraine headaches. Never do I ever. I woke up this morning with the worst migraine headache ever. Amen. Anybody that knows me, amen, you can ask Megan. Amen. I never hardly ever entertain the thought of logging off before my time. Never. But I'm telling you around noon today, I had to log off because my head was hurting so bad. And I thought to myself, now listen, God, you're going to have to touch me. I already knew that pastor wasn't going to be able to be at church. I said, God, i got to make it to church tonight. you got to touch me. you got to heal me. you got to work on my body. I need a touch and a healing. Amen. From you. And I've determined that this day, that spirit of sickness, this day, that affirmative was coming down. Well, can I tell you, I'm preaching to you right now. I don't have a headache. My head's not... Hallelujah. I took a little bit of a nap today, which is unlike me. I don't normally nap, but I took a little nap. I got up. My head was still hurting. I thought, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to make it to church. Hey, and I walked in here tonight. I still had a headache. I told Haley and Connor, I said, my head is hurting. But I'm believing. I'm telling you, when worship started and the service started, amen, I felt the touch of God on my body. And I saw that you say, well, it's just a headache, yep. But if God can do that for a headache, he can do it for anything else. If God can do it for a headache, he can do it with fear, worry, whatever you're facing. Amen. Hallelujah. And I saw that giant fall. I'm wondering tonight, do you got your swing ready? Uh-huh. Time won't permit me, but I can probably preach to you. Amen. What those five stones could be. Stone of faith. The stone of praise. Hallelujah. The stone of his word. Amen. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty sister Angie through the pulling down of strongholds. Could you imagine brother Mike when David put his hand in his pocket. And he pulled out a rock. A pebble. And he put it in that sling sister Jane. And he started. Goliath probably thought. But can I tell you that when the Holy Ghost, I believe this, this is Matt Leslie's commentary. When the Holy Ghost told him, he released that stone. The Bible says that that stone hit one area that wasn't covered. He had an armor from head to toe, but there was one area, Sister Sharon, 
where that amen stone hit that he did not have covered, and it was the forehead. And the Bible said that that stone came with such force. Read it in the Word. It's in there. The Bible said that it sunk into his forehead. It didn't just hit him in the forehead, and then he got a little bit dizzy. But the Bible said that that stone sunk into his forehead. And the Bible said that Goliath fell. But I love this. You've heard it before. And listen, if the enemy is going to try to hit you where it hurts, it's about time for you to react and hit him where it hurts. The one area God knew, I, here's what I believe. You can call me for that if you want. But I believe when David released that pebble, I believe that God put his big finger, amen, his index finger behind that pebble, and he led it right to where it needed to go to hit the enemy where it counted. Can I tell you that if you release it in faith, God will put his hand behind it. If you just release it, God will put his hand behind it. And he'll use it to cause your giant to fall. Amen. The Bible said that Goliath fell forward. He didn't fall backward. But the force caused him to fall forward. When God gets through, your giant's going to have to bow. I said when God gets through, fear's going to have to bow. Worry is going to have to bow. Sickness is going to have to bow. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Here's what I love. Not only did God cause the giant to fall, but David came and took his foot and put it on the head of that giant. Whoo. Heel overhead. Hallelujah. We've heard it preached before that in ancient times when a victorious king won over a man, his, his, his uh, uh, king that he was fighting against, that the victorious king would take his foot and put it on the head of the defeated king. Mm -hmm. David pulled out the sword of Goliath and he used it to chop his head off. Can I tell you that God doesn't just want your giant to fall? But God wants your giant to be destroyed. Yeah. David was not giving Goliath the option to harass the people of God any longer. God doesn't just want to cause your giant to fall. But God wants your giant to amen, be destroyed. Because he wants amen, to give amen, you victory to where the giant will not have permission to harass you ever again. He said this day. I'm going to give your body over, amen, to the fowls of the air. Now, according to Bible history, you've heard this before, but according to Bible history, after David chopped the head off of Goliath, according to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 54, he took the head of Goliath to Jerusalem. The rest of Israel was getting the riches out of the tent. David walked 20, when you map it out, it was 20 miles from where David was to Jerusalem. David carried the bloody head of Goliath 20 miles. You have this teenage boy holding the head of the giant. 
It was an open display of victory. When your giant falls and God allows you to take the head off, He's going to alert everyone around you that there's victory. Hallelujah. Anybody that saw David in that 20-mile walk knew that victory had come to the people of God. I'm here to tell you that when God defeats your giant, He's going to make an open display, amen, to the enemy that the enemy has been defeated once and for all. Now listen, Goliath of Gath was his title. His title in the Hebrew meant go up to Gotha. We're familiar of a place called Gal-Gotha. It's the place of the skull, or in Hebrew, it's the place of the head. According to ancient Jewish wisdom, David buried the head of the giant, and it was named the place of the skull. David took it to Jerusalem and buried it and called it the place of the skull. So David buried it out at Gal-Gotha. What else happened on Golgotha? Jesus was crucified on Golgotha. Listen, Jesus was crucified there. Goliath can represent the seed of the serpent. So the head of the seed of the serpent was buried at Golgotha. But now we have Jesus, who was the prophesied Messiah, to be the one to bruise the head of the serpent. Jesus is now set. The Bible said that his heel would be bruised and that the forehead of the serpent would be bruised. Jesus, when you look at the crucifixion, the way that they nailed Jesus' ankles, it caused his heel to be bruised. So you've got the bruised heel of the Messiah over top of the skull of Goliath. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you for his feet, amen, was nailed to hold him there, which would cause his heel to be bruised. Because of this giant, amen, because this giant was buried there at Golgotha, and the Lamb of God shed his blood at Golgotha. I wonder when that first drop of blood hit that ground and it ran down and touched the skull of Goliath, that it was a symbol to the enemy that Goliath is forever defeated. And because of Jesus, the giant never has permission to stand very long. You see, Goliath had no clue that David was going to be used to fulfill that ancient property, a prophecy, excuse me. Heads were about to roll. Calvary has, because of Calvary, because Goliath was defeated, and because of Calvary, every giant that you and I have to face has already had a death sentence on them. Every giant that you and I face has already been defeated. One drop of his blood defeated any and every giant that we would ever face in this life. It took one stone to bring down the giant. But, amen, just one stone brought down that giant. But the Lamb of God, it took one lamb 
to destroy all the giants. Calvary became the place where the giant was forever destroyed. And because of Calvary tonight, as they come to the music, because of Calvary tonight, our giant is already defeated. Can I tell you before your giant even says a word, he already has a death sentence on him. I feel that for somebody. Because even before your giant says a word, he has a death sentence on him. Today, this giant must fall. Look at somebody prophesy to him and say, neighbor, I prophesy today. Your giant's gonna fall. Uh huh. Praise the Lord. I'm looking for somebody that believes that wholeheartedly tonight. I believe it. I don't know what giant you had to face. First and foremost, I'm looking around and I, I would assume that everybody in this sanctuary is right with the Lord. If you're not right with God, this altar is open. Maybe there's somebody that's watching this online and you say, I'm not right with God. You can get right with the Lord. This altar is open. I say that often. Let us never forget that there might be somebody in the congregation that needs to find Jesus. He's already defeated the giant of sin. Amen? So this altar is open for anybody that needs salvation. Here's what I feel under the Lord to do. You say to me tonight, Brother Matt, I've got a giant. I don't need to know what your giant is. It makes no difference. A giant's a giant's a giant. But if you say, I'm facing a giant tonight, but I'm ready for that giant to fall, whether, amen, that giant harassed you before you came to church tonight, you get up in the morning, you put your feet on the floor, and that giant's da, da, da. I've come to tell you tonight there's victory in Jesus. Amen. If you say, I'm dealing with a giant tonight, and I'm ready for my giant to fall, I want you to stand at your feet and come to this altar with your hands raised. I'm going to 